Hello, and welcome to Storytime for Weirdos, uh, Episode 6, Season 1. This episode is titled Changeling. Brock shuffled the cards as Malcolm and George hummed a few chords from Macho Man. Celia rolled her eyes. Can you two focus, she said, exasperated. Our young friend doesn't need you to reenact the 1970s for him. He came here to learn spades. Oh, Celia, what's a game of cards without a few cards, George quipped, winking at Brock. She harumped in mock affront. Seems like there's too many queens in this deck, she said. Brock, you like our singing, asked Malcolm. Oh, yes, I I love the music of the 1970s, he replied. I'm also having fun learning spades. Brock knew how to play spades. He played it with his family during holiday breaks, but having the old people, quote, teach him, got them more engaged and feeling useful. The volunteer requirements for his college had seemed like a drag, but spending time at the first LGBTQ nursing home in New York had turned out to be fun. He wrapped up the last round of spades and added up the score from the evening. It was no surprise that Celia had the lowest score. She mercilessly passed face cards and played the low cards strategically. He said his goodbyes and walked to the subway. It wasn't until he was on the train and heading to Brooklyn that he realized that he'd left his phone at the nursing home. There was no way he'd get through the next day without it, and he wagered that the night staff would let him in. So he got off the Brooklyn-bound train and headed back uptown. It was getting late as he made his way back to the nursing home. The front door was propped open, and the security guard was absent when he got there. Shrugging off the security laps as his good fortune, he made his way into the game room. It was dark, and his footsteps echoed as if he was in a larger space. The game room had a pair of sliding doors that opened into the backyard. The room smelled of lilacs, and the heat of the August night permeated the room. His vision was suddenly hazy, like a film shot with a Vaseline-covered lens. The indistinct music came from outside. Drawn to the music, Brock walked to the sliding doors. Outside, Malcolm, George, Celia, and the rest of the residents stood in a circle around a tall, beautiful woman. The lights in the backyard were out, but the windows from the adjacent buildings cast a warm glow over the group. He couldn't hear what the woman was saying, but her lips were moving, as if she were speaking to each of them. They started moving in a circle. The woman danced from resident to resident, touching them on the shoulder or head. As she did, they transformed, the years melting away from their movement, and they joined her dance, lithe and ecstatic. Their features changed, too. Some of them took on animal-like characteristics, horns and cloven hoods, rabbit ears and fur. Others grew larger and muscular, or developed pointed alien features. 
One of the weird elfin residents stepped away from the dancing and whistled sharply through his teeth. A moment later, the pack of corgis that served as therapy pets for the residents pushed past Brock at the door and into the yard. As they approached the dancing circle, their limbs twisted and they grew to the size of horses. Several of the residents mounted the dogs, which now had glowing green eyes and bore no resemblance to the lap dogs from moments before. The residents gave a collective howl and, moving as a pack, leapt up the retaining wall in the back of the yard and miraculously onto the neighboring building. The woman, not visibly transformed but bearing a terrible presence, turned and winked at Brock before joining their residence in their otherworldly parkour. At this, he collapsed into a deep sleep. Brock woke up feeling groggy, collected his phone, and went home. The next day, he couldn't concentrate, thinking of the episode from the night before. Had it been a dream? Would it happen again? He stumbled through the day, and after dinner, he told his roommate he needed to get some air. The subway ride to the nursing home was a blur of anticipation. Something about the experience felt right to him, like his first time kissing a boy or meeting a stranger's gaze from across the dance floor. The front door was propped open again, and he crept back to the game room and witnessed the residents dance and transformation. Before they jumped into the night, the woman made eye contact with him again, and he fell asleep. Over the next two weeks, Brock went back to the nursing home again at night, again and again. A few times, the front door was closed and locked, but mostly it was open and he bore witness to the resident's nighttime excursion. He visited in the day for his volunteer requirement and found that everyone behaved as usual. Three weeks after he first witnessed the transformation, Brock arrived at the nursing home for his volunteer time. The activities coordinator, Sylvia, flagged him down at the entrance. Brock, I wanted to tell you that George Magnuson died last night, she said. I know you were friends with him. We found him in his bed this morning. He went quietly in his sleep. The strange spell that Brock had been under for the past three weeks was suddenly broken. I, uh, thank you for telling me, he said to her. If you want to take the day off, you can reschedule your volunteer time, she offered. No, I'm fine, he replied. It will be good to be with his friends today. He shuffled past her into the game room, where Malcolm and Celia waved him over to a table. Sorry to hear about George, Brock said. Oh, he moved on, replied Malcolm, as if George was on a trip. He's in a better place, said Celia, with a similar lack of emotion. Did you bring the pinochle deck? I, uh, yes, I did, Brock replied, bemused by their behavior. Good, I'll teach you pinochle, said Celia. Brock actually had to be taught pinochle, and they spent the rest of the afternoon on the game. As he was getting up to leave, Malcolm said, When you come back tonight, the lady will explain about George. Excuse me, said Brock, startled. Malcolm, scolded Celia. What? She said it was time he join us. I, for one, look forward to ending the ruse, said Malcolm as he shuffled off. Do come back tonight, said Celia, with a meaningful look. Brock obliged the request, even though the dreamlike state of his the past weeks was gone. The door was propped open, and he walked purposefully into the game room. 
Brock found himself intent on getting to the bottom of the woman's activities. The backyard was full of residents. They were dancing and had already transformed. Unlike his previous visits, he did not stop at the threshold. He did slow as he entered the yard, surrounded by the weird creatures, the scent of lilacs overwhelming in the night air. The tall, beautiful lady approached him. Welcome, Brock, she said, her voice musical. I understand you have some questions. Yes, he replied. What happened to George? What did you do to the residents? Who are you? The questions tumbled out. He was suddenly nervous. The residents were circling him, and a former corgi was sniffing at his feet. George joined the hunt. You can go see him with us tonight, she said matter-of-factly. I help the residents find their true form. I can help you find yours, too. And as for me, I go by na many names. Holda, Brechta, La Donna de Zulch. Your friends just call me the lady. How can I see George? Brock asked, the emotions of George's death coming to the fore. His body was found in his bed last night. She laughed. Oh, that wasn't the George you know. That was the George we took. We returned him when he died, and the George you know joined us. I, what do you mean took, and what do you mean find my true form? He said, confused. Brock, she said, looking into his eyes. I've answered your questions. Now let me ask you. Haven't you always felt out of place? The names that people call you, they don't describe you. You're not of this world. You're of mine. Don't you want to join us on our hunt tonight? It's going to be a big one. George and the millions of others are going to join us. The words she spoke rung true to Brock, like none that had been spoken to him before. Yes, I, I want to join you, he said, starting to dance and sway with the residents. He could feel his features changing, his senses sharpening, and the thought of the hunt excited him. What are we hunting tonight, my lady? He asked, his voice weird and fey. Tonight is a special night, she said with a smile. Tonight we hunt the world. I hope you've enjoyed story time for weirdos this was episode six season one and uh happy pride everybody story time turn all of the lights off over every boy and every girl story time one more for chance for feeling some joy laughter or fear Story time, you might want to listen, so put this into your ear. There is one where a guy becomes a gnome. There is one where a guy becomes a gnome. There is one where a guy becomes a gnome, becomes a gnome.